0: Welcome to In Search of Tracks podcast, the first and only podcast about music ever. My name
1: is Pete. My name is Bob. And ever, a, <laughs> ever, <laughs> nobody's ever done it before. I, well, I, I, you know, I just feel lucky that uh, that I, you know, that you kind of cross paths. We're like, Bob, I got this wacky idea. Let's do a podcast where we talk. I'm like, okay. And you're like, about music. And I was like, whoa, yeah, that's what we're doing.
0: Exactly. People talked about politics. They talked about economics. They talked about comics, sports, science.
1: Yeah, all this stuff. But like, somehow, music was overlooked. Well, here it is. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) What can we say except you're welcome? Uh, (laughs) Pete, uh, what is the best treat you've had in recent memory?
0: Oh, God. Um, Actually, great question timely question um we had a little Mm. bit of vanilla ice cream left over last night
1: Ooh, okay
0: we were watching the new handmaid's tale
1: which has the new season
0: dude not great Great. i'm not gonna lie i i didn't like it the 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 whole show i thought first season really good second season really good third season really good like it was it was off to a really strong start i feel like I think this is the fifth season now, right? This is season four. Uh dropped off for me.
1: Dropped off, drifted. Yeah. Um <sighs> I'm not gonna say jump the shark energy.
0: No, not quite yet.
1: But I'm gonna say uh felt like they um <sighs> You know, I'm trying to give a more modern version. This is when you take a different turn in your directions. Your GPS has to be like recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. You, you um, you've uh, 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 diverted from the intended path. Yeah. Um, so it felt like it was in the in between. Okay. Well, I haven't. I've had *Handmaid's Tale* the new season on. Well, new whatever relative. Uh, season 5 on ice for a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it because I've done everything up to this point. But the first two... I guess the first three seasons, just I just burned through them. Yeah, like, they're great. They were re- really good. Yeah, I, I had put it on hold. Can I tell you about The Handmaid's Tale? I thought it was like... I thought it was like a... Sl- uh, the way it was pitched, I think they did a bad job of pitching this. Anybody who doesn't know, Handmaid's Tale, I believe was... What was it? Was it like an FX show? Was it a wasn't netflix what was it
0: oh i i think it was fx
1: okay so it was like fx or something but it's on hulu now i believe yeah so and i think it went to netflix for a while whatever it was streaming era right yo for the previous i always i was like oh this is some period piece show about like pilgrims or something i don't know (laughs) like elizabethan or just after i don't know what is this is like a little edgier downton abbey i don't know if i'm in for that it's not that it has a very post-apocalyptic um, modern feel to it. People should check it out if you haven't, especially those first three seasons. Yeah. Um, so you, you just kind of finished off some vanilla ice cream.
0: So yeah. Um, also, I mean, just to finish the handmaid's tale thing. Oh yeah. please. It's, it's, the, it's just different energy, man. The fourth season, fifth season, like all these long shots of just like the face yeah. and like, and like the whispered tone of just like, I don't, what are we going to do? Like, but it's like that shot is like 10 minutes. And I'm like, dude, keep it moving. Come on. Like, what are we doing next? That's, that's my frustration. It's not even the writing doesn't bother me as much as just the, like,
1: just Some of the cinematography painful, and, and visual choices. Yeah. Just
0: painfully long scenes that go like seemingly nowhere. But anyway, best way to watch a bad show is a good snack. So we had a little bit of vanilla ice cream, Left in the freezer, like just on that edge of freezer burn where I was like, I don't know oh, if we yeah. can do anything with this. Yep, yep. Um, And Gina was like, I have a good idea. And she was like, I'm going to take control. Do you mind? I was like, no, do it. Hell yeah. Split Love the, this energy. S- Yeah, split the vanilla, two bowls, put some Nutella in there, mm. and then crunched up some pretzels and mixed it all up. Dude, wow. it was banging.
1: Yo, that sounds Great so good snack. right now. Yeah i've become a nutella maybe not super fan but like i'm in i think it's really good it's good it's it's really good it's got its own thing going on i used to be like well why don't i just eat chocolate bro like what is this (laughs) it's just it's got its own thing if you're not uh, converted yet give it a try i promise it feels a little different at first but it's it's cool i'm with it um I had the good fortune, uh, weird plants. We went and visited some friends down in ocean city, New Jersey, uh, who had gotten, you know, uh, nascently an off season house just to kind of hang and work in for a while. Um, and so we went down and visited them. Nice thing to do before you go and visit someone and hang. And it's kind of, which just the energy was just like, Hey, we're just hanging out all day. You know, going to have some food, going to watch some sports and chill. Uh, we picked up some bakery goods, some pastries, um, mm-hmm. and brought them down. Half of the pastries remained untouched. So had a little had a little pie, had some apple turnover. Uh, a couple danish it was kind of, and and you know when you bring them down and then we bring them back it's it's this whole track so it's like you know those things have a a, a, a sh- expiration date you know they only have a certain uh, yeah. shelf life so i got to put in some work over the last few days feeling good feeling <laughs> good awesome good in the neighborhood pete what are we talking about for the treats for the ears today
0: we're going to talk about a treat of a record. Uh, truly, truly. The Pixies, Surfer Rosa.
1: So here's one thing I need to say. I, in my head, call them the Pixies. But they're really just Pixies. Am I wrong about that? Um,
0: I always think of them as the Pixies, too. And yeah, I'm seeing that uh, it's, it's really just, just
1: Pixies. Pixies, I know. But in my head, it's the Pixies. But is an american alternative rock band. um it is pixies but i call them the pixies in my head yeah we're talking about surfer rosa uh pete like (sighs) (laughs) what do we how do we how do we land on this record uh
0: i think this one was just on the list waiting to happen we had a lot of requests for it um but I also think you and I had talked kind of separately about doing an episode on this just because I don't know. They're, they're an interesting band that I know there was a lot of talk about them when I was, you know, a teenager mm-hmm. in my twenties, you know, people going back being like the pixies of the band. I actually remember when I was going to college, uh, living in San Francisco, Mm-hmm. I think that was like one of the bigger comebacks that they had where I think they did do little front to back. Yeah. And I remember a lot of my friends in San Francisco being very excited about it. Um, and I hadn't really like heard that excitement about them before or since. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know, just an interesting band. I'm I, that I'd be interested to like, I don't know how people talk about them now.
1: I, I, I it's it's crazy to me because, um, why do we pick this band? Because they quite possibly are the most important band to alternative music post nineteen ninety. Like I might be willing to say that, like most mm-hmm. influential. When you listen to Surfer Rosa, you will hear how this influenced. F- alternative music grunge music yeah uh even even some of the more pop music sensibilities of the 90s and then how that's reverberated both through popular music and underground music today um there's riff lifting off this record and their other hit records like just directly bands will just take from this band and just take um you all know the hits you have heard Gigantic. You have heard Where Is My Mind 18 different times yep. with different covers and versions, <clears throat> et cetera, et cetera. When you get into this record, it's 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 undeniable in a lot of ways. And at the same time, I could understand somebody who doesn't love this band or who doesn't love this record. But what I will tell you is that if you have not listened to this with the ears to go, I'll make this in my thesis. Just put it out there. Pixie's Surfer Rosa is the bridge between 80s indie music, underground, and then what became the 90s alternative and grudge scene. Sure. This ties in influences from the new wave, post-punk, even punk, and like uh, art rock world. Of the late 70s, mid-70s, early 80s, and then what happened after this. This record comes out in 88, and it sounds so ahead of its time. Yeah, it does. Um so well, I, I and, I'll and, co-sign and, all of that. And I say this, and I have to tell you, I came to the Pixies largely later in life. I I knew the hits and was always, you know, who doesn't like some of these songs, obviously. Yeah. But then when you hear when you hear "Surfer Rosa" and especially "Doolittle," I, I'm like, this band's just kind of undeniable. Um, but as I also said, I could see this being not for someone in 2022. You know, I could see this not being for someone in the modern way. Though I challenge them, and I, I kind of want to challenge the, the listener to go look. This is a definitive record of an entire genre that bridges, but also kind of nods at these these tropes and styles of what what independent music was, what alternative music was, what music was prior, and then there's an after. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's really fun. It's a, it was one of the most enjoyable listens slash fun and challenging and how do you hear new things but also talk about a record that is pretty important so.
0: yeah no i i uh i co-sign all of that i think you brought up a lot of good points i mean i think that i remember we were talking about the melvins on a previous episode yes and just talking about like how baked in the dna like even if people aren't referencing them like they've influenced so many different genres of music and it's, it's on a lesser extent than the Pixies. I want to be clear, but like, just the riff lifting, like you can just take from a Melvin song. People have definitely done that with the Pixies, as you said. And I think that that's, that's a really interesting thing about them. Like, like these records are undeniable in terms of their influence, both aesthetically and just, you know, sonically and kind of every part of it the shouting and the singing and the harmonies yep. and like kind of all this, the messiness of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Dude, that being said, I've always had a really kind of challenging relationship with this band because I had so many people around me just be like, dude, this band is awesome. You have to listen to surf. Uh-huh. You have to listen to do little. And like, I'm in on a lot of that stuff, you know, a lot of like stuff of this era of this sound. Sure. Pixies never caught me. Mm. And dude, I gotta say, on this listen, it really didn't
1: catch me. Interesting. Oh, I'm so excited for the conversation today. Yeah, but uh, that is fantastic. But that
0: being said, like I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Like I get it why this is on like everyone's best rock records of the 80s, 90s list. You know, I get why it was so influential. I get the whole thing. It sounds super ahead of its time, but. Man, it doesn't catch me. So yeah, we'll get there. I am so
1: excited to talk about this. Then, Um, context: This is this. This is not their first. This is their first first LP album. Yeah, Yeah, first full length Um, record with Steve Albini. Kind of interesting. They're a band from Massachusetts. Uh, I don't know if they claim Boston. I don't think they claim Western Mass. So I think it is Boston. Cool. We'll go with Boston. Um, why not? Yeah, why not? Boston, hell yeah, hell yeah, kid. All right, um, go socks. Um, I have some questions for you, as I often do, Pete. What do you got? Did you think that this record was in? As influential as it is prior to these this listening session, it sounds like you might have, even though it didn't hit you.
0: Yeah, because you had I mean, people
1: hollering at you about
0: people it. People were always yelling at me about it. So yeah, I just I I felt it. I think for for a while now.
1: This and is it, such I, a and good I remember, like every
0: time I. Sorry, every time I, like looked into it, mm-hmm. and noticed that it came out in eighty eight. It's like, oh yeah, this is it's it's wild how good it sounds and how contemporary it sounds and, I mean, I felt that way in like 2006, let alone 2022. You know, well, and so, this is
1: this is such a fun exercise because of the way things get influenced um, and the way people are influenced and the way things can be. Like this record meant nothing to me within until the last ten years. Okay. Because I'd always kind of written like, oh, yeah, they got a couple songs. It's cool. And then I was like, wait a second. I really should sit with this band. And when I did, I was like, oh, okay. All right. But it was, I didn't have external forces hoisting them on me. You
0: got know? It. Yeah. And I
1: think that matters. I think it that matters. does matter. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you look into it, you start to see this, and it's like, oh, Nirvana cites this as a big influence smashing pumpkin cite them as a big influence etc etc and it's like then you start to directly hear it look i think the killed by rockstar scene uh i think that sub pop i think that these big labels all like you can hear it directly from here you know um i do have a question for you what was the biggest the pixies ever got like, what is the biggest venue? Like, where, where? Because this was never—they never hit even arena level. They never. No. Like, obviously, they're playing some pretty big festivals, but I have a feeling they never got to like, oh, we're filling a ten thousand cap on our own. I don't think so. Maybe I mean, right there. Maybe right to that level. Maybe. Yeah. Let me see. You know um, what I mean? That's a tough question, but. I mean, like, well, no. Okay, I'm, the 2004 thinking... reunion tour grossed over 14 million in tech sales. So, what the hell do I know? Oh Jesus! Um, so wow, yeah, yeah, I think they did pretty good for it at some point. But I think in their initial iteration prior to that, um, I I just get a sense that they were a band's band. Everybody loved them, and they ended up being super influential. But not, you know, like they had a few hits, but it wasn't like, hey, they're they're going and headlining Lollapalooza or anything like that yeah well and let's see this on the tour history they supported u2 on the lucrative u.s leg of the zoo tv tour in 1992 wow uh, they're playing studios there so yeah it's big so interesting venues. it's so interesting it's just even, not
0: the kind of music i would imagine like making it to that level it's funny same yeah. and
1: that's the thing to me like we we talk about lots of music on this podcast that's not the pairing i would have put you two or like um pixies with you know like give me pixies opening for the cure you know worldwide tour cool that's interesting and weird and i'm sure they're playing nice size venues but you too i don't know if the u2 1992 fan like the uh you know right. the big songs off joshua tree only fan is necessarily leaning in as they watch the pixies they're they're going yo past the budweiser who's this band eh, <laughs> that song's weird you know but then
0: again when when pixies are playing where's my mind it's like maybe that's the same fan
1: yeah yeah but it, it, you're not you're not 100 off That could be um okay uh here's my other question um i gave my big thesis already that this is the bridge between all of the underground musics of the, from the mid seventies to early eighties into the nineties alternative and grunge scenes. Mm -hmm. That's my big thesis. My other question is, is this post-punk? Are there post-punk elements in this? I should say, because I don't think it's post-punk. Yeah,
0: I I wouldn't classify it as post-punk, but definitely elements. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. And I think also it's, it feels to me like so this is 88. Nevermind mm-hmm. is what, 92? Yeah. Like it feels like practice for nevermind in a way. Like the production oh, value is fun. is is almost identical. The drum sounds are 91. very similar. Yep. It's uh so that to me, I was thinking about that as I was listening to it when I read this, Albini produced it. Yep. That's an interesting
1: piece. Oh, I like that concept. Um I also I should say post punk, it's not what I mean really. It feels very punk aware, punk musical. Oh, sure. And you can yeah. hear those elements, and and like, um, yeah. We'll we'll get into it, once we get through the track by track. But this is absolutely a record you can put on and just listen to in a casual way. Um, though I think you there might be varying uh, uh, mileage might vary. Yeah, depending on who's he- in the car. One hundred percent. And <laughs> headphones, listen. I think there's a lot going on here. Um, And you have to, um, you know, the saying in for a penny, in for a pound. You got to be in for a pound on this one. There's certain elements that made me think and start to appreciate and think about those weirdo songs and weird for weird's sake and how different that was and how there wasn't such a self-serious nature in 1988 when this record's being written in this kind of a space yeah as there would be even five years later absolutely you know um there's very little of the like pitchy off-putting vocals if this record comes out you know by a band in 1993 or 94 that didn't have this kind of long tail history yeah man but they do um any other big thoughts, concepts we should talk about before we dig in and track by track this Surfer Rosa record?
0: I mean, I think I think you covered a lot of it. I mean, yeah, the, I
1: rambled, so I apologize.
0: No, it's okay. That. I mean, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was just that. Just I mean, what you brought up really in terms of grunge and indie, like like is this more influential to grunge or is it more influential to indie or is it like does it essentially end up being the same thing? But I f- I feel like equal amount of bands took from this in the grunge world that took from it in the indie world. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I guess it's just, uh, it's clear how influential this record was overall and how timely it was. But
1: I think it's quietly. So yeah, just um, under the radar world. I think in the indie world. And then even as we move, I think that, Post two thousands indie, or even like the mainstream rock that broke. Uh, I'm thinking stuff like Modest Mouse. Yeah, uh, owes a lot to the to Pixies, um, to the Pixies. Whereas I don't think, and I think '90s you start to get there too. But like the undersold influence of. The Pixies on the grunge scene, like, yo, they were all name checking this band, but we oh, were yeah. listening. This wasn't one of those first records. You go, oh, well, I- I'm into Nirvana and I'm into, you know, Smashing Pumpkins and Stunt Double Pilots and this and that. I need to get this Pixies record. No, no, no. It just it wasn't like that, and it probably should have been. Like, this should have been like if oh, if you bought a fucking porno for pyro's record you should have been mandated to also buy this pixies record a hundred percent you, know, like, hey, you it, need to have this
0: yeah but i think i think the problem is like the pixies were trying to fit the mold at that point and mm. and weren't doing a great job of it like i agree
1: I you agree. know like
0: like they like what they did that was the most profound was like this and do little and then they kind of yep. lost the plot a little bit um i haven't re-listened to those records in a long time but i remember listening to them and being like this is not great yeah uh, um, or seeing the videos on Beavis and Butthead or whatever it was but like but I I agree with you I mean I think that like Kurt Cobain was name checking this uh, Smashing Pumpkins were name checking it like it was like so under the radar or not mm -hmm. even under the radar I guess at the time but like influential
1: yep and and it's worth noting this is uh, that if you weren't aware uh, Kim Deal who is uh, in Pixies also was lead vocals with her twin sister in The Breeders. Yep. Um, And so that's kind of like how you see this kind of throw through. So, um, yeah, I I just think there's... This record has long been undersold, though the Pixies are not, and their hits are not, and you're aware of their hits. Mm -hmm. But in the context of this record... When you hear it, you almost can't deny how important and influential it is and it's been undersold. I don't know that music journalists undersell it, but like I don't pay attention to them. Right. I pay attention to what people actually listen to and right. I think uh, it's kind of a fun thing. So well it's um, like
0: if if I was going in cold and yeah. I watched Fight Club and like you know, the ending scene is where's is my mind and I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, I like this song. I'm gonna check out the Pixies. I would not expect the record to sound like this. You know, oh, which, is, which, cool which is
1: such a cool question interesting well the question is is uh, let's save it for the track by track but I'll yeah. put the tickler out now what would you expect another a record to sound like around where's my mind I don't I mean so that's, let's hold it let's hold yeah. it and you can chew on that in the background you ready to go track by track let's do it first track bone machine.
0: So heavy drum beat. I think the drums are super pronounced on this record, which as a drummer, I'm, I'm there for it. Um, I also hear the immediately hear the influence that that had on grunge. Like I think of Dave Grohl's drum sounds. Um, that's cool. The dissonant guitar tones. Cool. I'm there for it. There's like a groove. There's a heavy beat to it. Um, for me. And, I don't want to come back to this a lot, so I'm just going to Mm. say it up front. I don't like the vocals. I like Kim Deal. I don't like Frank Black. I find his voice to be be. (laughs) very annoying. And I think it's funny that you brought up Modest Mouse. I had a friend stay over a few weekends ago, and they were like talking about the Modest Mouse record, Lonesome Crowded West, because I guess they're going on a tour playing that record. Mm. And they were like, yo, can we listen to that? I put it on, and I like Modest Mouse just fine. Sure. And certain records have a place in my heart. Dude, re-listening after a while, I was like, I don't think I'm here for this. Like, I had a really hard mm-hmm. time with it. And it I was had vocally. This, vocally, primarily. But mm-hmm. also just just the weird kind of off kilterness to it. Mm. And I felt almost the same way about re-listening to this Pixies record, where I was like, I think I used to have more like tolerance for this. And now I can just straight up be like.
1: I don't want this on really. So that is the big thing for you. Um, I'm going to get there. Yeah. Because I, I think I think it hits the most around track four. But um, I mentioned Modest Mouse. I think they and many others early OO rockers. <sighs> I'm trying to think stuff like Vampire Weekend as you go into the mid 2000s, stuff like that. They owe their lo- their this song their lives. There's yeah. repetition. There's some solidness. The the that great repetition adds to the pulse of the song overall. I actually really like the riff. Um, and we should note, Pixies, if you don't like Black Frank Black Frank Black Black Francis's voice, you are out. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it's weird in this very time and place. It is. As we talk about this, this record sounds like it could have been recorded 10 years after it was, except for the vocal styling, which is very, very much uh, feels of the 80s um, and of the kind of weird off-kilter world. Um, But I I like the song. I think it's a really solid opener. I I really love the riff. I do think it's a solid opener, and I like
0: a lot about it, you know, but it's just... (sighs) And I love this. I love how yeah, different our opinion is.
1: It's, it's just, it's, it's <laughs> you can't take his vocals. I get it. Can't,
0: I can't take his vocals, but, but, but I also, dude, when it's the harmonies with Kim Deal, like I like those parts.
1: Okay, good. So there so is like, a good like, amount of that through this record.
0: Yeah, exactly. And those are like, it, it is, I, I get why people like them together primarily, like I, I guess more than anything else. Yeah, like when Kim Deal left the Pixies, it's like, dude, what are we even talking about here? Let's be honest. <laughs> you're not wrong.
1: You're you not know? wrong.
0: So, so, like they they completely jumped the shark. The fact <laughs> that they're still playing shows is uh, mind blowing
1: to me. But like, it's almost like, okay, so who's doing the Kim Deal stuff? Yeah, because you what? need someone to do that. Oh, you're yeah. not gonna. You're not gonna. Oh, what are <laughs> yeah. we doing? What are we doing?
0: Yeah, or you're having someone doing it, it's not Kim Deal. It's just like it's not this. I don't know. Whatever. It, it better be. Uh, I'm not yeah. even a fan, so I I shouldn't have an opinion. It doesn't matter. But like. You know, yo, like the chorus on this is cool, and not to go too long on this, but then it's like, this is just a perfect example for me. The chorus is fine, the drum beat is heavy, the guitar riff is cool, but then it's like, buy me a soda, buy me a soda, and you're just (laughs) like, dude, shut the fuck up! I hate this. So yeah, I, I, I just feel so strongly. I can't. Yeah, it's just it's rough, dude. Well, I listened to this like six times for this episode because I really wanted to like
1: pull it apart Get I'm in there. You did. yes
0: and man there were parts where i was listening like in my backyard in the sunshine i was like i fucking hate this record but then other parts i was like this song is great so yeah next song let's break keep my body
1: to me this is a low-key banger i think it's almost almost instantly catchy uh there's a lot of fun guitar stuff and one of the highlights of this whole record it rarely outstays its welcome both in song and length of the entire record I think it's, I think it moves pretty quick, even if you're not, even if you're not enthralled with it.
0: Yeah. I actually, I like this song a lot. This is one of my favorites on the record. Yeah. Um, I like the chorus a lot. Um, it's funny that they have two songs about bones so close together. Yes. Um, yes. But uh, like there's actual singing. It's not like mm-hmm. so much shouting. I like the driving beat of it. The chorus is really memorable. There's harmony. Like, I think this is a good song.
1: Thank you. One of my favorites, like, question, like, all right. Well, there's obviously gigantic, and where's my mind? But this one's right there. Like, a, oh, this is maybe right there, number three behind those. Yeah. Um. Okay. Something against you, which opens with uh, some ska guitar. Some. <laughs> um.
0: So we have a mutual friend that about 10 years ago i played in a band with him and Uh one of his favorite things to do at practice was just play the ska riff just endlessly Uh i think with the with the intention of just like making
1: everyone in the room
0: want to leave okay um, yeah which were not
1: into practicing apparently
0: yeah which is eventually why the band didn't work out but what would happen is that you know i'd start just kind of playing along and then the bass player would play along because it's like, hey, man, if he's not going to stop doing this, we might as well just roll with it.
1: Yeah, you're leaning in.
0: Yeah, um, and that's what this song sounds like. Um, it's literally a waste of time.
1: Wow. Okay, I think that the ska <laughs> part flows really well into the distorted, heavier guitar. Um, the low end dwells into this like surfy range without getting to surf. Uh, but it, it kind of the interplay with the guitar is fun it's weird for weird's sake yeah I'm okay with it because I will give my theory here uh, the next song Broken Face and here's where as I quote the pitchy off-putting vocals parallel stuff like the B-52's okay and I think that's where we get some of this kind of <sighs> Or, or even, you know, like Talking Heads, you know, where it's like, oh, these vocals are so off kilter. Yeah. And it's occasionally singing and you can get into it, but occasionally it's not going to be on pitch. And it's like, are you choosing to sing like this? Ah, 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 ah. Yes. That's, that's not fun. That's, who's this for? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think that yeah, this guess. song "Broken Face" pro- drops some like truly energetic riffing. I like it a lot. It's weird as all get out. It's roots alternative and post new wave at the same mm-hmm. time, so yeah. I dig it. And that's where a song like "Something Against You" is adding to this tonal energy of saying, "Hey, this is not the record you think you're buying when you hear the radio hit." Where is my mind? Or even Gigantic, which like, to be honest, I think those were both like college radio hits in 1988. I don't know what these were like as singles at the time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I, I'm showing that I could have done more homework on this, but like, okay, here we go. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, let's see here. This is a great commentary. On the weekly charts, it charted in the UK, peak position 199. Okay. And UK indie, peak position 17 as a single, didn't chart in the US Right at initial time of release, and it gained popularity as noted from Fight Club. Um, so that's kind of amazing, because this is a song that is uh, certainly a grower, not a shower. Um. And I think at the time it was probably college radio, you know, Uh, whereas, and and Gigantic is also there. And I think they hit alternative radio. Like, I was hearing these songs. These songs were were played on the radio in the early 90s, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you think about what the climate was in 1988 for guitar music. This song is not cracking Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen radio, you know? No. It's something completely different.
0: But I mean, see, this is where I'm a total hypocrite. Like, I'm really glad that a band like this is able to break through and become so big when it's it's so off kilter and dissonant at times. And I also have a lot of tolerance for that stuff. Like you bring up B-52s. I like the B-52s a lot. I'm like one of the only fide flipper fans that I know. Ooh, like, yeah. like I have like a really high tolerance for really like, shitty difficult music a lot of the time. Um, but for some reason this, I, I like, and that's where this podcast is fun. Cause you think about like, do I not like it because of the people that were telling me to listen to it? And that's just like stuck with me mm-hmm. or do I not like it because I actually don't like it? Like, like what are kind of those, those layers of the onion that I have to kind of peel apart to really figure it out. Um, I can genuinely say that like sitting with the headphones on, on this one broken face to me, I was like, all right, Albini did it. Like, I know that he has historically done bands that are difficult to listen to, Mm. but I like big black and I like shellac. So like, there's a lot of elements to that here. Why don't I like it here? Um, And I I can't answer that other than like maybe I just missed the boat like maybe if I had this when I was sixteen I would be all in on it
1: or or it it avoided you like me till your thirties yeah right (laughs) um it's interesting that you can roll with the B fifty twos but I mean that's that's one of the things with vocals I never question someone with vocals because they're just pitches and tones that. I think most people can as, can kind of relate to like, yo, this hits my ear in that way where it's like, Oh no, I don't want that. Do not want, you know? Well, actually, um,
0: yeah, I, I thought about that this week too, because I'm, I'm going to see the Mars Volta shortly. Mm. and And they're one of those bands where I'm just like, I don't even try to sell people. Like, I'm just like, you're probably not going to like it. Like this just doesn't hit most people. And I feel like the vocals are a big part of that. So it's just like, you can't at a certain point you can't sell people on a thing it's just they're gonna like it or they're not gonna like it right
1: yes with tones like that so with with this song um anything else on broken face
0: um just the the changes like the time changes on this one feel like clumsy in this way that i know that they're capable of like like it's like, are they intentionally doing this clumsily to on this song? It feels, I don't know.
1: it feels like that. So, yeah, low key. Some of this record has this. I'm not amateur is the wrong word, and I don't think that's right to say or even apply. But yeah. it has some of the loose at the seams energy that it feels like. Oh, angular, odd, weird, but leave it. We want that yeah, kind yeah, of feeling. And yeah. so I think that the, there is some intentionality to it um, in the way that you start to feel that with you know, a record like Nevermind. Yeah. It feels like it's about to rip apart at the seams, but it just buzzes along enough to keep it together. Exactly. So yep. yeah, I, I think that's, and I think it, that's, a, again, stuff that becomes to build a template for the alternative music of the 90s. Yeah. And All that's right. also
0: like the punk element that you're talking about 100%. too. 100%. I mean, that- that's a lot
1: of yeah. I think they're trying to capture some of that like the energy and emotion of a punk record that was recorded in some shit studio. They had 2 days to record it and they did it. And it was like, "Oh shit, Billy can't play guitar really, so we just, you know, fucked it." And there it is. Yeah. Um but now these are bands who are actually in real studios with real producers saying, "Well, we kind of want to still have that energy, right?" It's like, "Okay, how do we how do we, you know, what's the simulacra for that?" Yeah. Um for me, it works gigantic. Gigantic.
0: I mean, this is like indie classic rock,
1: indie classic rock. Thank you. Um, you get the soft, loud, gentle, hard, the loud, soft, loud, which is uh, pixies were defining characteristics. Um, it's a contrast song that kills. This is. So 90s alternative template, it hurts and I yeah. like your term. Indie rock, classic rock.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's uh it's a great song. If it's if it's on, I'm keeping it on. I'm not gonna intentionally put it on.
1: Um oh that's such a good question. Um so Pete, you might not know this about me, but um are you familiar with the band Veruca Assault? Mm-hmm. Really like them. Yeah. Um, I really like the Breeders. Good band. Really good band. I don't know that... This feels very predecessor to that, which obviously makes sense. Um, Yeah, I'm not choosing to put this on, but I'm not shutting it off when it comes on either. Yeah. It's such an interesting... Song that it kind of build. I think the bass line on this song deserves a lot of credit. Like it just it dribbles along in this way, and I use the word dribble, not bounce. It dribbles. There's just do 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 It doesn't thud at all, and it's almost just kind of this beat as opposed to a bounce. um and it's obviously you know pretty classic. So shout out to yeah. Gigantic. No good song, and no uh, Black Francis vocals. So or minimal, right? Like he does. He does the they do the co-art singles, uh chorus parts.
0: Yeah, bonus points for that.
1: <laughs> River Euphrates,
0: dude. I don't have any love for the song. So, it's, uh, go ahead. like, I was just gonna say. I mean, singing along to the guitar riff. Like it usually never works, and I just don't think this is an exception. Um, like You're like not Ze- wrong Ze- about Zeppelin that. did it, mm-hmm. and like even that is not my favorite part of Zeppelin. Um, they just did it in a more interesting way.
1: <laughs> well, and you have to be a pretty talented vocalist, <laughs> yeah. To, no, exactly. even yeah, I mean, it. it's a
0: different level. I'm just kind of joking, but like. I don't know. The, it's just this song, like the mix of this song in particular, mm-hmm. Kim Deal's vocals are like kind of particularly high, which which don't hit me. Um, Frank Black's vocals are there like just enough to kind of be annoying to me. Um, I don't like, I just, there's nothing really here for me on this song. But what about, what? what's your so thoughts? to me,
1: the riff um, at the open and kind of the start of the song reminds me a little bit of the open of Call Me by Blondie. Okay. Uh, but it twists it pretty quickly. Um, you get you still have some of that distant tone in the guitar and a driving beat. It's harder. It's a little darker than some of the other songs. It's, it's got some ugly, beautiful vibe to it. Yeah. But it's not a top song on this record, and it feels just kind of there. Um, even as a fan of this record, not probably in the bottom rung of this record. Yeah. Okay. Next track. Where's my my mind? Do you like this song?
0: But it's just, it's another one that I'm not putting it on.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm not going to like, I love
0: gonna. I'm not going to pick it as a karaoke song. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm just thinking of different different contexts that I might like choose a song. And none of them are really there. Like I'm not even putting it on a mixtape,
1: really. You're not mixtaping it. All right. Um, I was swimming in the Caribbean. Animals are hiding behind the rock except a little fish bump into me, swear he's trying to talk to me, say, wait, wait. Lyrically, the song's so weird and cool. I think... So we talk about the meta. Content-wise and sound, there's a real synchronicity here. I think it really matches. Yeah, I think that's the reason this song, even with these really off-kilter vocals... Would you agree this is probably the best Francis Black vocal performance? Yeah. Cause they apply yeah, weirdly. I... They kind of fit this track. Um, and I think that's kind of the the magic dust to this song. Um, no,
0: it's it's a really like he hits he hits the right notes. Like this is where I just like my dad always, when I was listening to hardcore music, he'd be like, you know, it, it'd be nice if they like slow it down and like sing a little bit. And I always resented <laughs> him for that, but like, but it's <laughs> That's like not the point dad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but, and I, I feel like him when I say like, when he kind of mellows it out a little bit, I'm there for it. Like, I like mm-hmm. it on this song. I just don't like when he's shouting at me, you know, kind of it, like, like he is on these other songs. So, so yeah, I, It works for me. Like this song works for me. I just, at the same point, I'm not going to it Mm. like that, if that makes sense.
1: No, I, I think it's a a great song. Um, Would put it on. Mixtapes would put it on. Mixes think it's a really fun change of pace. I can't think of many songs that I put in the same. Like what, what world of songs does this fit into? You know, I think it's pretty singular. It is pretty and, singular. And I kind of vibe on that. So uh, so yeah. shout out to the song for that. Um, yeah. Where is my mind? Uh, Cactus, next track.
0: Cactus. Um, I don't mind this one as much as... Uh, I guess it's like... Dude, again, the vocals take me out. Um, this song particularly just kind of meanders on, though. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's not much there's not much here that grabs me. Um, even if, I, you know, I've already noted that I don't love the vocals all that much. Like usually I can at least pick something out like the drum, to- the ju- the drum sound or the mm-hmm. guitar tone or whatever it is. This one really like, there's just not that much there that I can even grab onto. It feels like filling space.
1: No, I, uh, I had to really listen to this one a few times. It's a, they, they go for another tempo change up, but it's funny because Whereas my mind is uh, just about the ultimate tempo change up. Like it yeah. literally, they're like, stop at the beginning of the song. And if you're doing an album listen, you feel the shift, right? Yeah. Um, so Cactus, I think, is trying to get to get back on a track. So you have this building, 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 repetition, moving, it never moves to the next part. Um, yeah. It's a tone and vibe track. Uh, it's nothing out of context from album F- Flow. If you put it out like this song on a mixtape, people be like, what the hell is this? You know? So, <laughs> so yeah, nothing much on there. Let's go to the next track, Tony's theme. I mean, I'll say just real yeah, quick yeah.
0: before we move on, just like I've noted on this podcast many times how much I love Guided by Voices. Mm. I, and I, and I feel. Again, like a hypocrite here because I feel like Guided by Voices and Pixies share a lot of similar dynamics where like the album listen is not intended to be here's a song, here's a song, here's a song. It's more like this collage of sounds. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I feel I, I do feel like I'm just gonna put it out there. I feel like I'm being unfair to this because I think I just went in kind of knowing and just feeling like I just don't like certain elements of this sound oh for sure but but I like I like what they do with hey like we're gonna have where's my mind which is like this bona fide hit or gigantic which is like this bona fide hit but then surrounded by all of this kind of chaos and noise and like songs and non-songs and like... Well,
1: and that's that's the part to me, this creates this template for what alternative music can be because alternative music isn't saying it's not pop music. Like it's not... Alternative music is called that because it's not indie music either. Yeah. Like it's saying, hey, we don't mind playing a fucking stadium. Yeah. We'd like to live off this band, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the energy I get off of Surfer Rosa is that it's like... Yeah, we don't mind being big. We, we're not we're not trying to be Fugazi. There already is a Fugazi, you know? Right, like, that's right. not what we're about. We're trying to do a band, we're trying to do this music. But we also think it doesn't mean we have to conform and try to write a bunch of singles and then here's our bullshit tracks or try to be, you know, Led Zeppelin or the fucking Beatles or whatever. We're doing something different. And that's where we get this weird <sighs> This weird crossing point of, like I said, like new wave, post-punk, punk, um, 70s rock, like of the like more uh, angular variety, um, this weird reverence of that new wave scene and like art punk, kind of art rock weirdness, but we're also setting the t- and, and indie of the time and and we're also setting the table for something yet, that's yet to come which is the grunge and then you know as we continue moving forward alternative scene you know mm-hmm. look honestly when you hear where is my mind it fits more in with what's going on in rock music 1995 than it does rock music 1988 which is when it comes out Yep. that's that's kind of a crazy thing to say
0: it's crazy so.
1: Um, Tony's theme to me, my first note was so (laughs) nineties. And it's this weirder reference that's kind of eighties style, but like
0: Yeah, you don't see much of this anymore. No,
1: it's a sneering distortion in the guitar. The content's goofy and kind of weird, but like there's also these elements of like, okay, kinda like the weird punk tracks and like just going for this like different energy so I uh I I don't have a lot of love for the song but I understand it I it's almost like I don't love the song but I love the energy around it
0: yeah no I, f- I feel the same way actually um it's it's not a great song no no but it's but it's it's kind of all personality it's not about the song it's about the kind of vibe that you're putting out there Correct. so thank you in that respect it's it's cool I mean it it, it fits you, you in the flow of the is. record and, yeah. and
1: that's kind of like where we get to a lot of this so next track we're kind of we'll go through these next ones a little bit Oh My Golly um, the next song This song to me is a great one to say, yo, this is in the DNA of the entire grunge thing. Yeah. Um, the song doesn't move me per se, but it also doesn't overstay its welcome because the song itself is only like a minute 47.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with, I, I, I've been harsh on this, but I will say the songs are short. I appreciate them for that. Um, when you're, when you're writing all these kind of difficult songs and putting them all together in this mishmash of a record, like at least there aren't like six minute kind of meandering songs on this. They're all kind of two, three minutes max. So max, Right. I, yeah. and I
1: think that's like, so for example, um, like the longest song on this record, um, I believe is where's my mind, which is at no oh, G- Gigantic's three fifty eight. Where's my mind is three fifty seven. I guess Vamos Surfer Rosa is four twenty five, but like uh, we'll get there. <laughs> um, this the, <laughs> the rest of the songs are clicking in two minutes or less. Sometimes you know, like there are just two two thirty five, one fifty one, one thirty three, one forty five. Like, um, yeah, they're quick they're quick like oh my golly is a 235 track but the song itself is only like a minute 47 and then it just devolves into like weird chatting you know yeah it's so, like studio talk shit. right exactly so um vamos which is also surfer Rosa's, the next track this song to me has such sst records energy
0: oh sure i can you see know that. what
1: i mean like uh, there's there's some scaling there's some dissension there's uh, somewhere between like mid and late era Black Flag and the Minutemen, I think you can find some riffing that that would put you in a place like this. Um, and this is the I, I was like, yo, this isn't post punk per se, but it's like after punk alternative. Yeah, um, I. Ha- yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's it.
0: I, I. It's funny you mentioned SSD. I mentioned Slash Records because I thought oh, of yeah. uh, the Violent Femmes, like early oh. Violent Femmes. Like to me it had that sort of energy. Um, like just more amped up and kind of electrified. Um that being said, I don't like the violent femmes that much and I <laughs> didn't love this song, but it's 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 all right.
1: The song washed over me. I just found it notable that it yeah. had that kind of energy. I, I like that about it. Yeah. Um I'm amazed. Here's where it's just like this like distant chaser song. Um there's a yeah, fun it feels pace connected
0: and, to Vamos somehow. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's a fun pace and tempo, but it's mostly just off-kilter. I have no need for this. And at this point, I'm kind of like, well, oh, the the record's kind of winding to an it's end It's trailing here. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm charmed by the pre-song sketch and the talking. i I I'm just like, okay, I'm all right with that. Yeah. But but the rest of it doesn't do anything for me. Same space. Agreed. Same space. And Rick is right, The Closer. fine again it's not too long kind of discordant but not enthralling um, no it's not a strong close and here's why i say the record could have maybe should have ended with cactus i think it could have just ended there and i'm not even the biggest cactus fan and as i noted i think oh my Golly has some redeeming tra- traits to it the back end of this record it just trails off. So Where's My Mind is track seven. I think you pick maybe I'll throw oh my golly. Say oh my golly it should be the closer and it's a it would be an odd closer at that. But this is an odd record. And if all it's of odd. a sudden if all of a sudden you have a, an eight song twenty six ish minute record, I'm kind of like, yo, hell yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- that's the thing. I, records like this, I don't know that they should exceed like twenty five minutes.
1: Oh, that's a good point. I, I, it's hard because of bloating and and placement and what these bands were trying yeah, to accomplish, no, it, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say,
0: in a perfect world, oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: Thankfully, yeah. You know what though? There, th- let's not. I, I'm giving them all this credit for being the bridge. Uh, I will give them some bad beats. This move record moves by quickly. it's thirty four minutes long. It feels like a quick thirty four minutes to me, and I just said you could probably cut the last four songs. yeah, so you know I, I'm gonna hold their feet to the fire on that as well. um so I'm noting this is a super important, relevant, influential, impactful record, and at the same time, if they trim some fat, like maybe this hits uh some notes even higher so. All right, Pete, are you any final comments before we move on to some grading? I think we're good. All right, uh, Pete, the holistic quality, the, the is this good out of 20? Where do you put it?
0: I gave it an 8.
1: Whoa, damn, I gave it a 16. I think this is a very good record. <laughs> Highs, the best, when this record is at its best version of itself out of 10, what is the high?
0: The highest it gets for me is a 7. Wow.
1: Yeah. Pete, this got a 10 out of 10 from wow. me. Wow. Holy shit. Where is my mind is a per- almost perfect song. Dude, I love it. I love it. Lows. Lows out of 10, how low can you go, Pete? How low were the lows on this record? I could go low, but I'm going to get I'm going to give it a 2. You're giving it a 2. I give it a 4. Because I okay. think the lows get low here. Competency and peer review. Um, how does this stand up to its contemporaries? How does it hold up? How good are the players? How creative is it? I gave it an eight out of ten.
0: So this is where I have to give it credit, right? Like it's I'm not gonna say that they're the best at what they do because honestly, like you don't think they are. <laughs> I I really don't think they are, but I also like, like I think that they, they it's, it's lightning in a bottle that they did with this record. And I think with do little, mm. I haven't revisited the records after this for a while, at least the early nineties records. I know that they, they've done a bunch of records since, but like, I remember listening to the early nineties, like more grunge era records yeah, and being pretty unimpressed at the time, I don't know that my opinion will have changed that much, but I think they really caught something on this and, and do little as well that like we've talked about is kind of transcendent. Like it still sounds modern. It still sounds interesting. It still sounds, you know, you can still hear the influence on Nirvana, but then also like current bands. So like, there's something there that they were doing right. But I don't know that they were intentionally doing it right. I just think it like kind of worked out that way. <laughs> so like I'm gonna give it a seven just because it it all worked out for them on this record in that respect.
1: Totally tracks. Drag factor out of 10. Do you think this record drags? Pete, I gave it a seven. I don't think it drags. I think you know what it doesn't drag, but it trails off. So that's it would have yeah. been higher for me if it doesn't have that dra- tail off.
0: Yeah, it trails off a little bit. And like certain songs, I just find like grading personally. But like,
1: (laughs) I give it a five. Five? Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Um, Flow. Uh, Do you think the record flows? I actually think the record flows. I think the first half of it moves well through to each other. I think that, um, I think if anything, uh, River Euphrates moves into where's my mind in a decent way. And with the tempo changes nice, I gave it a seven out of 10.
0: I gave it a five. Okay, yeah. I think it works well
1: Okay, overall. All right, here we go. Aesthetic out of 10. How do you think, what do you think about the look and feel of this record?
0: I mean, it's like this weird, dark, gothy, but like art rock mm-hmm. thing going on. Sure. that I think a lot of people took from over time in different yep. in different ways so like the influence is definitely there and overall like i like the aesthetic of it i think more than i like i i would expect this record to sound different from what it looks like
1: oh that's an interesting um, point i don't disagree with you there
0: yeah and that's that's kind of an interesting thing going in like you get the record and i would say that about Doolittle too mm-hmm, i would say that mm-hmm. about most of their records it like it looks like this kind of like fine art pretentious thing and then you get it and it's like this messy indie like mm, mm. alt garage
1: record right
0: kind of thing so like that's that's cool so
1: i i give it a six pete i i i was in a pretty similar place as you but um i do have a, a kind of important question for you okay do you like boobs <laughs> yeah the cover of the Pixies record has a very nice set of boobs on it yep it's an eight it's an eight baby (laughs) Uh, no i i kind of co-sign it it's uh it has become quite I, i think the image uh and art and the kind of use of the white space negative space um is became a formative and influential piece though they were far from the first to do that um it could be written off as just sort of in the pocket, um, but it doesn't. It's there's a little bit of contrast to the sound. Um, there's more to the image when you look at it. So I'm giving them credit. And look, I think everybody loves boobs. Just kind of put put the uh, eraser on the pencil. It's an eight out of ten, baby. <laughs> Impact and influence out of ten, Pete. It's a ten. It's a ten. It's super important. It's impactful. It's influential. <laughs> um and you don't have to take my word for it i think if you listen to this record you might love it you might hate it you might hate this person's vocals but if you listen to the music it's almost undeniably important and you, you by the way have we ever once had a conversation about the pixies before this no no and i i feel pretty strongly about how impactful this is um on a bunch of records that i think i probably like as much as if not more than this record
0: interesting yeah i mean this is this is just like the competency and kind of peer conversation i mm-hmm. i can't i can't not give it a good rating here so yeah. i gave it an 8
1: okay and the intangibles the etc out of 10 uh, as much as i love and have loved where's my mind for a long time and find some of the rest of the record cool and important it got me late in life and I like it a lot. And it's a record I will throw on into regular rotation, but it didn't hit me when I was super young. Um, It's a six out of 10. I I think it's a cool record, almost undeniably cool and important. And I've made my thesis on it, Uh, but personal to my life. uh, Well, what about my life? You know?
0: Yeah. This is the personal kind of intangible section. I gave it a three dude.
1: Dude, you, you might need we might need to have a music therapist come on. Cause you have some <laughs> you have some real issues with this record. I know. Whoa. I think Pete broke his computer. Pete, are you there? So we're gonna turn this into a ghost box podcast for a moment while while Pete rejoins us. Um I'm reaching out into the beyond. I'm looking for Pete. Pete, if you hear me, come back to us. Hey, I'm here. He's back. I'm back. He came back. The ghost box worked. <laughs> Pete, um, we were talking, and we lost you because you got so mad. You punched the computer. I'm so sorry. That's what uh, we happened. We were talking about your your sessions to the music therapist about the about the Pixies.
0: I actually called my therapist. That's why I had to log out for a minute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's you know I I. I can't pretend anymore, man. I got to be honest with the people about how I feel about these records that we talk about. I love it. I
1: I think it's a must. I think it's a must. Yeah. I think it's good because I think that... um, (sighs) So I have for a long time been a hard stance and I I think it's important to separate audience from artist. right? Um, Yeah. You shouldn't let the audience impact the way you understand their art Um, but it's also undeniable that if somebody is shoving something on you and telling you this is the way it is like yo we really i appreciate what we do because even when we say some pretty grand statements or this is this we're never saying it like if you disagree you're a a turd you know like the idea is like hey this is kind of like a thought and that's why thesis is an important word to me it's like here's my thoughts and i hope that i'm able to provide some support to that as we continue through this conversation yep i feel pretty good about that on this one however i also note something that is such a big piece to me i don't think that the vocals are one half of the music you know i think but they do have an outsized impact. It's not like, well, of, you know, there's a singer and there's a lead guitarist and a second, you know, rhythm guitar and then there's the bass player and the drummer and it's like, you know, vocals are like one-fifth of the music, man. Kind of not really. No. You know, um, because we have lots of these conversations and you especially are great at bringing up lyrical content. And then we talk about how the vocal cadence syncs up with the music and how beyond anything the vocals can take you out of music it's one of our main as you process information and you're hearing something you're listening to the words and you're listening to the vocalist if you were telling me you were listening to the drums more i would say are you a drummer and i would also say you're probably listening to them in a different way than i am yeah but I also think you're probably still listening to those vocalists more than you would say just the drums, you know, unless you were doing it for a specific activity. You know what I mean? Yeah. So anytime a vocalist takes someone out, I'm like, yo, makes sense. Like, Pete, I ended up um, at a total score of 76. Where did you end up?
0: Wow. I think this is the biggest difference we've had. I I'm bet at a, so. I'm at a 5.1.
1: So 51 out of 100. Yeah a 25 point swing based on barely being able to tolerate a vocalist doesn't seem unreasonable to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like
0: and I could go higher on this just like I you actually you, I think you, you did were really good, honest. You did a good job of selling me just like I think you're you're spot on with the kind of bridge and like how ahead of the curve this band was. I just it's 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 tough for me to parse like a band like like do I enjoy listening to this versus how important or impactful is this record? Let's right? full like- stop
1: right there. The former is so much more important than the latter. Do I enjoy listening to this? I
0: agree with you. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Like that's what that's what it is, and that's what music listening should be. Yo, on an academic level, we can listen to a bunch of records that are super important, and this is this and this and that. You know, that's stupid though. Like that's we'll do it and have fun with it here, but then we will try to be as honest as we possibly can. Thankfully, we've kind of continued, to we feel pretty comfortable being pretty honest about a lot of these records. Yeah. I really enjoy this record. There was a part of me that when I came out with my score, I was like, huh, only a 76. But then I went and go through and I'm reading like my notes and thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, like there's, you know, uh, one third of the record where I'm like, yeah, you could cut this. Yeah. And it's carried by the competency, the like creativity some of these things that I find really charming and weird and like the weird for weird's sake pulled me into this right There's a lot of that, yeah. There's a lot of that and it made me think. It made me think about punk music for the early 80s. It made me think about post-punk. It made me think about New Wave and you know, Talking Heads and B-52s and these weird things that like maybe there's the nostalgia or maybe it's just this kind of <sighs> you know i'm a relatively self-serious dude and especially as an angsty teen i was about it like i had no time for the jokey songs or weirdness but as i've gotten older that irreverence and that as being a a valid voice in an art space yeah is important to me and it's kind of cool and i like that those sat there and then it made me recontextualize some stuff like nirvana and like there were they did try to take lighter songs and go for a, a like a little, you know, um poking themselves in the ribs a bit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um I kind of think that's important and I think it was cool and it's so there's those elements that pulled me back in and where when I come up with my 76 rating, I felt like that's a really honest reflection. Um and also like yo, so it's a 76 overall. When I look at my holistic good, I'm like, oh, I gave it a 16 out of 20, which if you do the math, that's essentially an 80, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, yeah, that is right. It doesn't reflect the nuance of like, yeah, the lows, you know, it could flow better. It could, it, it doesn't drag to me because it's quick, but I would also cut songs. And yeah. um, so, no, I, I, I love this activity. And I, I think the most important part is the enjoyment level and i the highs of this record and the context really uh made it a a more fun listen and i i think that's where it is it's there is an enjoyment for me in listening to this and hearing those bridge elements i don't know if i like this record as much if i just am a radio rock guy who loves where's my mind right or thinks gigantic's pretty neat in this 90s kind of way um when I put it together that this record came out in 1988, it was a real, like, aha moment. Like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, now this falls into peace. And then you see this. And then I pick up some of these, like, nods to punk music and and little things that you don't hear from bands that were not punk-aware at the least. You know what I mean? So, anyways. No, uh, I
0: felt the same way. I And, like... Particularly the the grunge influence where like listening to the drum tone, listening to the guitar, like that Nirvana song that was like the secret song on Nevermind, Endless Nameless. Yeah. Like, like that, that whole thing just sounds like um, uh, Bone Machine, like yeah. the drum beat on it. The whole thing is just like, oh, they just lifted this from the Pixies and like made it noisier and angrier. Yep. It's, uh, it's interesting. No, I think so that's I'm one like, of the coolest things. I'm into the Pixies in theory. I just don't ever want to listen to them. <laughs>
1: With that, everybody, <laughs> uh, follow oh. us on socials. At TraxPod on Instagram and Twitter, Pete. Yep. And, and where do they send those emails? Send the emails to trackspod at
0: gmail.com.
1: Five-star reviews only on the podcast uh, place of your choosing. Everybody, uh, go swimming in the Caribbean and have nothing in your mind. (laughs) Goodbye.